brother. You've learned well. You're expert at Wu-Tang. <laughs> you learn. You have to suffer a lot. Otherwise, you'd never have mastered Chin King and the Wu-Tang sword skills. Welcome to the Alpha Male Buddhist from Brooklyn podcast. I'm your host, Miguel. I like to cover topics from ancient history, great leaders and generals from the past, and I also like to talk about self-realization, truth, critical thinking, and strategic spirituality. Outside the box, nonconformist. I'm here to shatter the myths of the mainstream media and the beta sheeple narrative. Welcome to the Alpha Male Buddhist from Brooklyn podcast. My email address is alphamalebuddhist at gmail.com. Let's start the show. Welcome back to episode 14. In this episode, we will continue our dialogue on Alexander the Great and his conquest of Persia. But I would like to just go back and recap a little bit on his childhood, his uh, his upbringing, which brought him to the point of being the conqueror of all the known world. European known world, that is. Alexander was born July 20, 356 BC, and died on June 10th, 323 BC. His birthplace was Pella, which is in Macedonia, and he died in Babylon. Uh, his dates of rule were 336 BC to 323 BC, which means that he began his rule uh, of Macedonia at age 20, when his father was assassinated, who was the prior ruler of Macedonia. That was Philip II. As a youth, Alexander was tutored by Leonidas, not the same one from the 300 Hot Gates fame. And also he was a student of Aristotle, the philosopher, the great Greek philosopher, which explains a lot. During his youth, Alexander showed great observational powers. And there's a legend that states he tamed a wild horse by the name of Bucephalus. It's hard, to, it's hard to explain in the year 326. And that was his beloved horse. And later on, he actually renamed the city after his horse city in Pakistan, on the Hydaspes River. If you were to go on any search engine and just type in greatest generals of all time, consistently, consistently, Alexander comes up number one. Um, and you'll usually find Hannibal right around number three, three, four, consistently. Some of them are, are skewed and have like Napoleon, and which I don't, I honestly don't understand. But, and this is not just ancient history. This is, if you just type in greatest generals of all time, Alexander's going to come up number one. Dollars to donuts. And there are many reasons why. By every measure, he excelled over all other generals. In his leadership, as a tactician, as a strategist, as a motivator and mover of men, in his bravery, and his ability to observe terrain, and make quick judgment calls on what the enemy is going to do and how he needs to react to it. Or put himself in a position where the enemy has to react to him. 
Habitually, Alexander led from the front, meaning that he was at the front of the line, in the front of the fight, in the center of all of the action, he himself. So this really did set an example for his men. They saw their leader in front fighting, leading the way in. And obviously he was a, tr a tremendous warrior and a tremendous fighter. Strategically, his campaigns were masterfully conducted, so much so that he made it look easy. And to a man, pretty much every general after him used Alexander the Great as their blueprint for greatness and success. Napoleon was quoted as saying about Alexander the Great, I quote, He calculated with depth, executed with audacity, and conducted with wisdom. End quote. In ten short years, he crossed the ancient world conquering an empire that stretched from the Adriatic Sea to the Indus River in India. From the Danube River to the upper reaches of the Nile. And only once did his army run short of supplies due to some uh, naval slip-up or some type of storm. And it was said that he was so great that once he conquered his, his enemies, many of them turned and fought for him and became devoted soldiers under him due to the fact that they were so impressed by his leadership and his greatness. Legend has it that Alexander the Great had nine lives and he cheated death nine times during his conquest of Persia. So now to circle back to the last podcast where we left off. Alexander and his 50,000 men crossed the Hellespont River into the western edge of Persia and were victorious. This is now known as Turkey or Anatolia. In May 334 BC, the Macedonians clashed with the satraps along the banks of the Granicus River. The satraps were the local inhabitants of that area. And in this battle, typical to Alexander's masterful leadership, he led from the front, crossing the river. A fierce struggle raged around the king, where an enemy strike came across and cracked Alexander's helmet. Alexander quickly recovered and struck the combatant through with his spear. However, from behind, the Persian Spithrodani prepared a killing blow. But before he could hit his mark, Alexander's bodyguard, Clytus struck off his arm, sword and all, saving Alexander once again. And victory was quickly achieved. Capitalizing on their triumph, they moved on to Cilicia, and they spent the following months securing Anatolia. And the Macedonian army continued forward through mountain regions, deserts, arriving at the Tarsus Mountains. Once arriving in Cilicia, in this burning desert, Alexander was so hot and overcome by the heat that he dove Cydnus River, where this river was being fed by uh, mountain glaciers and it was freezing cold. Uh, two things. Firstly, Alexander did not know how to swim, which is kind of funny. And his troops saw him paralyzed from the freezing cold and the numbness, at which point they dove in and pulled him to safety to the shore. Alexander was rushed to a tent and had a burning fever and the doctor gave him ointments and oils and potions and uh, he slipped in and out of consciousness for a couple of days. 
but at some point uh, this treatment did work and uh, Alexander left his tent and came among his troops to the roar and cheers of his men. In late October the Macedonians moved on through the mountain pass taking them into modern-day Syria the heartland of the Persian Empire and King Darius arrived with a massive army to crush the invader Alexander and the two armies clashed at the town of Issus as at the Granicus Alexander Alexander had his troops assault rapidly with him at the front mind you this is not just a soldier this is the king the king of Macedonia at the front of the line fighting and leading by example and he once again led the right flank and at this point the Macedonians came very very close to defeat and were pushed back however with his leadership the Macedonians poured behind the flanks of the Persian army and as they were grabbing victory from the jaws of defeat as the Macedonians were turning the tide and defeating the Persians it's legend that King Darius fled now mind you King Darius was not up front fighting with his men he was in the back uh, of the men you know with hundreds and thousands of guys or soldiers in front of him and he was not really in touch with the battle he was in the back way in the back and as he saw the Macedonians grabbing victory again you know from the jaws of defeat he fled and Alexander pursued him um, and chased him down however Darius was able to escape all of this from a 23 year old warrior king victory once again at the Issus River now the Macedonians move forward towards Gaza King Darius withdrew back to the east abandoning his western provinces to Alexander over the following year the Macedonians campaigned across Syria and the Levant Tyre fell after a brutal seven-month siege one morning Alexander witnessed a bird of prey dropping a stone at his feet the omen promised that the city would also fall at his feet but the king must not fight that day rebuking the gods Alexander rushed to battle as soon as they went into battle a spear pierced his shield and enlarged into his shoulder knocking him to the ground but at which point Alexander was able to get up and recuperate and fight the next day this guy was amazing this this Alexander again the Macedonians were victorious at Gaza and they continued to move on to the desert towards Egypt into the Sahara Desert actually and this is no longer Persia now he's into Egypt where he he founded the city of Alexandria right on the Mediterranean which has that legendary library of Alexandria which Julius Caesar burned down to the ground and this is in November of 332 BC and they seized Egypt without bloodshed his legend had carried on into Egypt and they knew just to be subjected to him that is the Egyptians do better to just just get with the program and and continue on and his army continued down to the city of Siwa to an oracle in Siwa which is about 300 miles to the south and west which is right in the middle of the Sahara Desert the burning Sahara Desert almost consumed the whole Macedonian army due to starvation and water lack of water and resources but they did make it out and continued their campaign back north into Persia in the year 331 BC at the city of Gargamela 
King Darius returned with overwhelming numbers of his Persian army. Again. Probably somewhere way back in the line. And Alexander and his Macedonian army crushed King Darius once again. Alexander continued to conquer the cities of Babylon, Susa, and Persepolis, bringing him right to the border of modern-day Iran. And this is all virtually unopposed. I guess King Darius was busy with other things while his empire was being conquered. And once again, Alexander set off in pursuit of King Darius. And one of King Darius's men killed King Darius, which enraged Alexander because he wanted to be the one to deal with, with King Darius. So now Alexander set off in pursuit of the traitor that killed his own king. So Alexander is now pursuing him for robbing him of this glory. It is legend that at this point the Macedonian army became weary of battling and weary of just pushing forward incessantly, just continuous fighting and death and fighting and death and and suffering. And uh, there were rumors of, of treason against Alexander. And there was rumor of some assassins that were going to take Alexander out. And it gets a little complicated, but at this point, Alexander kind of weeded all that out and dealt with the traitors in his own ranks and continued on, continued on fighting. They continued forward through Iran, Tajikistan, and Pakistan. Then they crossed the Hindu Kush. Now at age 27 and the seventh year of his campaign, Alexander the Great was getting ready to cross into India. And this is the famed Battle of Hydaspes where Alexander and his men faced a bloody battle with a uh, hundred elephants uh, on the Indian side and they, they were victorious through this. After eight years of battle now, the army grew weary, and they mutinied and refused to fight anymore. So Alexander had to come up with a solution for this. The army sailed down the Hadaspis River, and as they sailed down the Hadaspis River, it became narrower and it became a rapid, rapids, and uh, again Alexander fell into the water, not knowing how to swim, almost drowned. Which I think is hilarious, I mean, he's the greatest conqueror of all time and he can't swim. It's... I guess that's the duality of it. That's the Tao of it. But he uh, he almost drowns again. His men grab him and save him and, and bring him to safety. Now they're coming across, as they're headed back home, they come across the tribe of the Mali, who had a fortif- fortified um, encampment, a fortified city with walls. And again, Alexander was one of the first to climb up, well, actually the first to climb up the ladders to try to siege, you know, to penetrate the siege at which point he was hit by an arrow, fell to the ground, and uh, proceeded to fight with uh, his attackers and, and defeating them, and his men came to his side, and they were able to to become victorious at this point. The Mali retaliated with arrows, one striking a Macedonian soldier in the face, and the other arrow striking Alexander, puncturing his lung. But again, Alexander escaped death, escapes death and continues his campaign. The journey south continued until they hit the Indus Delta, which is the delta of the Indus River. At this point, basically, Alexander uh, and his men are headed back uh, to the modern-day city of... And this forced them to track through the deserts of southern modern-day Iran, which is just desolate desert. 
and again they were basically close to starvation and close to death due to lack of water uh, at which point they came upon a little tiny reservoir of water that was enough to fill a helmet uh, they proceeded to fill a, just a helmet full of water and handed it to Alexander, at which point when Alexander was handed the helmet, he took the water and poured it into the ground, onto the sand, and said he would continue through just like his men. If they had no water, he had no water. And after two months, they arrived at the city of Persepolis. Now we're into year 10 of this campaign. And at this point, um, he returned back to his administrative duties, paying off his debts, and conducting his responsibilities as a king. And another thing, throughout this time, it's legend that Alexander really started adapting Persian ways and Persian lifestyles and dress. Uh, and the men really, really, um, really did not like this. They felt that he was losing his Macedonian culture and his Macedonian ways. And they just continued forward. He, such, he was such a great leader. They just, uh, they dealt with it. And, you know, they all accepted one another, which is what people really should do. And uh, Alexander proceeded to, they were partying, and Alexander got very sick uh, and got a very high fever and uh, passed away. He actually died at this point after all of this battling. And on his deathbed, um, he was asked a question, to whom should your kingdom be handed over to? And his answer was, to the strongest. And uh, on that note, I'm going to close this podcast. That's that's a typical Alexander answer. I mean, it's the perfect answer. What else can you say? Um, this was a man that existed by a meritocracy where you achieve your your merit and your gain and everything through, through actual actions that you do and not given to you or handed to you. So um, this is this is the perfect answer to the strongest. And again, on that, I will uh, end this podcast. And I want to thank you for listening. And uh, again, my email is alphamalebuddhist at gmail.com. Please email me any thoughts, comments, show topics, any feedback on this. Thank you. And namaste.